Welcome to the Apostles Houston podcast, and thanks for listening. As a community following Jesus in Houston, we want to be with Jesus, become like Jesus, and do the kinds of things Jesus did. Wherever you are on your spiritual journey, we invite you to join us for worship each Sunday at 10 a.m. in Houston Heights. For more information, visit us online at ApostlesHouston.org. Well, good morning. Uh, it is an exciting Sunday. Uh, summer has ended. I know. Aw. But, uh, but fall is here. Really? In Houston, is it? Uh, it is. Uh, this is the official announcement. Fall is here. This is how you know, because we're having kickoff Sunday. Um, so really what this Sunday is about is, is one, it's a chance to, uh, to kind of come back together. We've been scattered. We've been traveling. We've been had a lot of things going on over the summer, great things. But now as we enter back into uh, the fall, we want to kind of come together and remember who we are and why we're here. And so that's one of the things we're going to talk about. Uh, we'll also have a special time when the kids come back in. I'm going to invite them to come to the front, and we're going to pray for them. Uh, and so I'd love for just, if you could be thinking about it and just asking the Lord to kind of guide us in that time of prayer, I'd love for a few folks to pray out loud for our children when they come back in. And then we also have a ton of backpacks up here for Love Elementary, so this is a way that we can demonstrate the power of the gospel and the love of Jesus Christ to uh, Love Elementary, which is just a few blocks to the south. And so thank you so much uh, for all of you who are able to bring a backpack full of supplies uh, just to demonstrate, again, the love of Jesus. So we're going to pray for the children represented and the teachers um, uh, over at Love as well. So we'll do that after the sermon when the kids come back in. And if it all works out right, just as I am my sermon, they will all walk in the door, okay? So that's, just so you know, when that doesn't happen, that was the plan, okay? Um, so, yeah, this morning, I, I do want to take uh, just some time and, and really think about uh, who we are as a church, and, uh, and what God has called us to and where we're headed um, as a community. And I wanted to do that by, by starting with a question uh, this morning that I want you to consider. And this is the question. What is the good life? What is the good life? How would you answer that question for yourself? What is the good life? And when I say good life, I don't mean uh, like the carefree need-free life, like if you won the lottery tomorrow and you got to live the good life, like I don't mean that good life. I mean, if, if you were thinking of the good life in terms of a well-lived life, what is the good life as a blessed life? What is the good life as a meaningful life, a purposeful life? How would you answer that question? What is the good life? So here's Here's what's interesting. You actually already have answered that question. So have I. The truth is that we've all answered that question, and the way that we are answering that question is actually revealed in how we are living our lives. The way that we live reveals what we believe to be the good life, whether we think we're experiencing the good life or not. Um, and what I mean by that is if you were to look at your calendar, for example, how you spend your time. If you were to sit down with your budget and you were to look at how you spend your money, if you were to think through your priorities, what occupies your thoughts, what, uh, what defines success and failure in your life, you be getting close to a vision of what you hold out to be the good life. And all of us have that vision. We all have some vision of the good life, and it's driven by some ultimate aim in our lives. 
some ultimate aim. What the Greeks, ancient Greeks, called a telos. The telos, the ultimate aim of everything else in your life. Uh, Thomas Aquinas, that great saint, he actually uh, commented on this idea of the telos of our lives, how we think about the good life. And what he said is, every human being basically has a telos that fits into one of eight categories. And here are the categories that he defined. He said, he said all of us think about kind of the ultimate aim of our life in, in terms like wealth. Maybe you think about the good life is a life where everything's provided for, every material need is met. Everything is kind of aiming towards security financially. Right? Or admiration, right? the, the, the praise of people. If people think I'm a good person, then I'm living the good life. Uh, glory, power, or uh, think in terms of influence. Uh, the good life is measured by pleasure. The ultimate aim is health. The ultimate aim is knowledge, not just in terms of data or information, but knowledge uh, as the ancient Greeks would have understood in terms of virtue. Right? So you know, the good and the true and the beautiful, that's the aim of the good life. And so Aquinas said all of us are kind of tempted to put our telos in one of these buckets, right? And he said there's actually, that's seven if you're counting at home, that's seven. He said there's eight, so what's the eighth? He said actually there's an eighth that really is the ultimate of all these teloi. And he said that really the one truly worthy thing of living for is the telos, the aim of life with God, that the good life is actually life with God, not merely knowledge of God or believing that God exists, but knowing God himself. To say it another way, a relationship, ultimately the good life is about a relationship with the living God himself. So the truth is, again, we're all tempted to make our telos, our ultimate aim, define the good life in one of these other seven ways. But as followers of Jesus, we have come to believe, haven't we, that there really is only one aim that is worthy, truly worthy of our whole lives, our whole hearts, all that we are, one true telos. And that telos for us as followers of Jesus, for us here at Apostles, is that followers of Jesus believe this. We believe, we believe we were made for life together with God for his glory. If I had to put it into one sentence, our ultimate aim, our telos, as followers of Jesus and here at Apostles, that's what I would say it is. Our aim, we believe, is that we were made for life together with God for his glory. So for us, in other words, the good life, as you would define it, is the God life. That's what it's really about. It's ultimately about. We believe we were made for life with God, the triune God who he himself, Father, Son, and Holy Spirit, exists in eternal, perfect relationship, has invited us into eternal relationship with him, life with him. And so we believe we can't do anything apart from God. And more than that, because it's relational, he's invited us not only to do it with him, but to do it together. And so that means that we can't actually do the good life apart from not only God, but from his church. There is no me and God, in other words. The New Testament is we and God. And so that, by definition, as Christians, we are reborn into Christ, into God's spirit-filled and unified family that together we can know life with God for his glory. That's our telos. 
So I, I say that because everything that we do here at Apostles, everything that we do, that is our ultimate aim. That's our big why, right? Our big why here at Apostles is to know life together with God for his glory. When we say we are a community following Jesus in Houston, this is the reason, because that's what we're convinced of, that we are made for life together with God for his glory. That's our big why. So what we're gonna do this morning is we're gonna talk about how we live together with God for his glory. If that's our telos, that's what we wanna aim for, that's what we're gonna talk about. We're aiming for and asking the Holy Spirit to help us live into that ultimate aim of life together with God for his glory. So I wanna say, if you're a part of the, the, the apostles' family, my hope is that this, this message encourages you and, and challenges you a little bit. If we've gotten complacent about this glorious vision that God has given us, that we would be caught up in that and nothing less. And if you're here maybe for the first time or if you're a visitor, um, this, is, this is a little bit kind of like a family talk, okay? So this is a little bit different than what we usually do. We usually are working through a passage of Scripture, and in, in a couple weeks we're going to dive into the Psalms, which I'm really excited about. And so that's typically what we do. But today I'm going to skip around from diff- some different passages, and my hope is that if you're visiting this morning, what you get is a glimpse, just a glimpse into who we are and what we are about here at Apostles. So I'm glad you're here, but just with that caveat, I wanted you to know what, what's happening here this morning and how it's a little bit, a little bit different than usual. So, so how do we have this good life, right? How do we have this good life together with God? For us, it all ends and begins with Jesus. It all ends and begins with Jesus. Jesus is everything, he, our Lord, our Savior, our everything. We believe life with God happens in and through Jesus by the power of the Holy Spirit. That's our belief. By grace, we just talked about that, this in the book of Romans, by grace through faith, we have salvation. We're forgiven. We're rescued from sin and death and we are made alive in Jesus. We're set free, in other words, to live in this way of life around and in and through Jesus. We're here, you're here, I'm here because we need Jesus. We need Jesus. We always have, whether we knew it or not. We always will. And right now, this morning, right here, we need Jesus. I need Jesus. You need Jesus. We all need Christ. One of the most audacious claims that Jesus himself ever made in the Gospels. It's easy to kind of gloss over, but this is what he said. He said, I am the only way you can have life, the good life, any life. I'm the only way life in all caps is possible. Listen to what he said. John 5, 24. This is just a few examples. Whoever believes in me has eternal life. John 7, 38. Let anyone who is thirsty come to me and drink. Whoever believes in me, rivers of living water will flow from within. John 10, 10, I have come that they may have life and life to the full. One of my favorite verses in all of scripture, life and life to the full. John 14, 6, just read it a few minutes ago. I am the way, the truth, and the life. Jesus said, I am the life. Jesus not only makes life possible by his death and his resurrection, he, through his Holy Spirit, 
brings us back from the dead, we are made alive and we have life in him. And this means that the good life, this is good news for us. Again, this is the whole message of Romans. This is good news for us because that means life can't be achieved. It can't be earned. It is a gift. It is a gift from God himself, the gift of life through his son, Jesus. We receive life with God by grace through faith in Christ. And so it's a gift. And you see this gift working itself out in Acts chapter two. So we just looked at at that passage. Eric read this beautiful picture of what happens when a community actually is shaped by the person of Jesus. So it says in Acts chapter two that they what? They devoted themselves to the apostles' teaching and to the fellowship. What does that mean? The apostles' teaching, what were the apostles' teaching? They were teaching the crucified and risen Jesus. And what was the fellowship centered around? It It was centered around the risen Christ and his gospel. And so for them, being devoted to the apostles' teaching and the fellowship meant being devoted to Jesus. For them, it was all about Jesus. He was at the center of everything. The resurrected Jesus was at the center of their lives. And so to believe in Jesus is to make him the center of everything. It's to devote yourself to him. That's what this picture again is in Acts chapter two. And to put your trust in him, to commit your whole life to him. That's what devotion means. It means he's at the center and everything else now rotates around and is centered on and focused on him. It's, it's everything is about Jesus. Not just Jesus is a compartment or added onto the side. He is the center of our devotion. Jesus is everything to us. And so here at Apostles, we want, we want Jesus to always be essential. If we're doing things and Jesus is not essential to them, then we shouldn't be doing them. There are other organizations and other things that people do that have nothing to do with Jesus. We're about Jesus. And so we want to do things that only make sense if Jesus is at the center. And what that means is our lives to to our friends, to our neighbors, to our coworkers, our classmates, you know what that means about our lives? Our lives should make no sense except for Jesus. No sense except for Jesus. Our lives should be utterly confusing (laughs) to people who don't know Christ, right? Right? People should look at our lives and the way that we spend our money and the way we spend our time and the things that we're caring about and our priorities and they should think this doesn't make any sense. If they could look at our calendar and our budget, they would say this doesn't make sense. Except for Jesus. And so that's what, we, that's what we're after here. We're after Jesus and the life that comes with Jesus Life with God, he's the only way, truth, and life. And we are unapologetic about that because apart from him, there is no life. And we long for our neighbors and our friends to know that life. It's not because we think we're right and you're wrong. It's because we've found life in Jesus and we want them to know that life. So we believe this, we've experienced this together here at Apostles. Jesus is everything to us. And so here... This Jesus-centric, Christ-shaped life that we are after, it boils down to what we talk about in terms of three goals. Now, if you've been here for maybe a month, you've probably heard these. If you've been here for longer than that, you're sick of these. But this is good. This is good, right? This, this language that we use is discipleship language, and it focuses our attention, our hearts, our minds on Jesus. And the three goals that we live with are to be with Jesus, to become like Jesus, and to do the kinds of things that Jesus did. So to be with, become like, and do the kinds of things that Jesus did. Now, there's other there's no magic words here. There are other ways you can describe this. This is our shorthand for discipleship, for a Christ-centered 
life. And so if you've been here, you've heard that, I hope, at least a few times. And again, if you've uh, been here for a long time, you've probably heard it uh, numerous times. But I want all of us to just to pause and consider briefly what each of these mean, because this is how we pursue Christ together. So first, be with Jesus. This is what Jesus calls abiding in him in John 15. It's what Paul describes as being in prayer continuously, continuously kind of connecting and cultivating an awareness of the Holy Spirit in our lives, God's presence in our lives. I love what Dallas Willard said. He said, the way to think about this, this orientation of our hearts towards Jesus, he's like, he's like basically Jesus becomes our true north and everything in our lives constantly brings that needle back to Jesus no matter where we wander. Jesus is our true north. Jesus is everything to us. And so we wanna be with him. It's knowing that Jesus is with you when you commute to work. It's knowing that Jesus is with you tomorrow when you wake up and you hit your knees rolling out of bed to thank God that you're alive. He's there. It's being aware that he's with you and ministering through you to a coworker who's had a hard weekend. It's slowing down when you're passing by somebody in the carpool line and you notice their downcast face and you say, hmm, I'm gonna pray for that person because Jesus, you're with me. You showed that to me. It's the belief that you can actually experience God's presence with you all the time, not just here, not just at a Bible study or in a devotional time, but everywhere all the time, Jesus is at work and he is with us. So often, I think we are tempted to make our lives about doing good things for God and we certainly should do. Grace is opposed to earning, not to effort. Another Willard quote, I love that. But it does begin with God for God's sake, right? We jump to studying Jesus, we ask things of Jesus, we serve, we give, we, we love to do, and doing matters again. But like Mary before the feet of Jesus, the good thing, the best thing is to be with him, to be with him. I love John Mark Comer says, the best part about following Jesus is Jesus. Isn't that great? Man, if I could just remember that every day. The best part about following Jesus is Jesus. So be with Jesus. Second, become like Jesus. We're all becoming like something. Think about that. You are becoming like something. We are being shaped by something or someone. It's not a question of, Will we follow? It's a question of who or what will we follow. And so as followers of Jesus, we wanna immerse ourselves in Jesus. We wanna immerse ourselves in his spirit, in his word, in his truth, in his grace, so that it shapes who we are and who we're becoming. And so immersing ourselves in God's word daily, immersing ourselves in times of quiet and stillness and silent, be still and know that I am God, that will shape your heart and your mind to take up not only the teachings of Jesus, but the way of Jesus that we might become more and more like him. Over the past year, I've taken up a new practice uh, in, my, um, in my spiritual life, my spiritual formation, and it's reading the Psalms daily. That's one of the reasons we're gonna be doing the Psalms uh, in the fall, and I'm really excited about that because God has used the Psalms so powerfully to minister to my heart. And this is something that faithful followers of Jesus have done for, for thousands of years. I mean, the, the, the Jewish people did this before Jesus and followers of Christ picked that up and they continue to do this as a practice. The church, this was so common in the church for a long time and modern, kind of the modern church has lost this. 
completely lost the sense of the, of the Psalms as central to our worship and our devotional life as we follow Jesus. And so it's just been great to kind of see that and see why that was so true. Because this is what happens. It's like a drip in the bucket. I mean, I get something out of the Psalm every day that I read. But as I'm working through uh, the, the daily office and, and the prayer book, and it tells me, read this one, and I read this one, and I read the next one, and I do that day after day after day after day, it's like drips in the bucket. And what I've noticed is I have a greater appreciation for the truth of God and for the beauty of God and for the power of God. And it's because I'm just soaking in it. I'm soaking in his word. And that's the power of God's word. As one author said, it's like a mirror and a window. It invites us to see God and it also reflects back to us who we are and who he's inviting us to become in Christ. It's a window and a mirror. And so I've become increasingly grateful for that and other uh, disciplines Right? There's so many kind of um, practices that the church has had for, for years, hundreds and hundreds of years that we've lost. And this is one of the things I think is so beautiful and I'm so grateful for about our Anglican tradition. Um, it offers so many of these practices and disciplines and rhythms in community that the Holy Spirit can use to transform us into the likeness of Jesus, help us become more like him. And so that's, that's the purpose of the liturgy, why our service is structured the way it is. That's the purpose of the sacraments. That's the purpose of our worship. It's one of the reasons we've added prayer books into, into our worship space. It, it's, it's an opportunity for God to use all these tools to shape us into the likeness of Jesus. And, and I would say, consider getting a prayer book. If you don't have a prayer book at home, I consider ordering one and just begin to read through it because what I've found with the prayer book is it helps actually shape me into the likeness of Jesus because it's full of his word. It's like the most beautiful, powerful, devotional book you will ever put in your hands. That's what the prayer book is. And so it's a tool. It's a means of becoming like Jesus. We're all being shaped by something. The question is, will we be intentional about whether or not that is Christ? Who is the person you are becoming? Third, do the kinds of things Jesus did. Let me just say briefly, the way I like to think about this is if you're an apprentice, right, to an electrician, and you study under an electrician for years and years and years, the ultimate aim is that you would be able to wire a house like a licensed electrician, right? Jesus, following Jesus, is apprenticeship. And the way that we follow Jesus is actually forming and shaping us to do the kinds of things that Jesus did as we are apprenticed to him. So we become like the master more and more, and we can do the kinds of things that the master did. So the goal is apprenticeship to Jesus, not just to know things about Jesus, not just to gather and talk about Jesus and sing about Jesus, but to be like him, be with him, become like him, and go do in the world, in the power of the Spirit, the kinds of things that Jesus did. So that's all kinds of things. When you read through the New Testament, this gives new life to the word of God because when you see Jesus doing something and he says, go and do, he's saying, do the things you see me do. To pray for the sick, that they might be healed. Speak words of prophecy and truth to one another. Speak in tongues. Bless one another through service. Laying down your life for one another. These are all things that he did. He modeled, he taught, and now he says, go and do likewise. And so we, we wanna do the kinds of things that Jesus did. So that's what we're aiming for when we talk about uh, what it means to follow Jesus. Organize your life around these three 
goals. Be with Jesus, become like Jesus, and do the kinds of things that Jesus did. One word of just encouragement. Please don't hear this as you need to do more and you need to work harder to follow Jesus. It can sound like that, but that's not, that's not the invitation. The invitation isn't to be in more programs and more things at church and, and to fill your schedule with more religious activity. That is not the invitation. The invitation is to God, God himself, that we might be with him. And then he might shape who we are and transform our lives and bring healing and freedom and life that we might be free to live life as he's called us to live it. That's what we're after. So Jesus is inviting us to be with him, become like him, and live the way he lived. And that's possible because he can do that. And his Holy Spirit is doing that in us. And that's how we'll be a community, following Jesus in Houston. That's how we will together uh, live life with God and glorify him. I started with a question. Um, what is the good life? <clears throat> and I, I want to end with another question. I want to end with the question, why are you here? Why are you here at Apostles, specifically? Why are you choosing to call this your home? I, I've been thinking about this question. It's a question I want an answer to for myself. Not because it's my job to be here, right? I want to be here. And I want to be here. I thought about this. I want to be here for two reasons. And the two reasons are because I need Jesus and I need community. I need Jesus and I need community. There are a lot of amazing things going on in the life of our church. Jesus is doing incredible things. I, I tried to just list a, a bunch of them, and honestly, the list is too long. I couldn't, that would be a whole sermon, just to give God praise and glory for all the things that he is doing. Um, and so I'm, I'm encouraged by all that God is doing in our midst. But I also want to say um, that just as your pastor, the last two years have been two of the hardest years of my life. And it's not just COVID. Part of it's COVID, but we all went through that, right? And this was more than that. Uh, there was a spiritual brokenness that the Lord had to take me through uh, as his beloved son. And it's been difficult, and it's been painful. And I'm grateful that I have a church and leadership and a bishop and a wife who have walked with me through that and loved me and prayed for me and encouraged me in that. And maybe one day I can tell more of the story. But suffice it to say, when I think about the last two years, here's what I know for a fact, is that if I did not have Jesus in my life, I would not be standing here today. If I did not have Jesus, I would not have made it through the last two years. I wouldn't. There's not a doubt in my mind. So Jesus isn't a nice add-on. He's everything. He's everything. And so we can't make it without Jesus. We need Jesus, and that's why we're here. And if you're still asking that question, who is Jesus, and do I really need him, I encourage you, come here and find out. Because the people in this room, many of them, 
have come to the conclusion, I need Jesus. And that's why they're here too. The second thing is I need community. I need community. That's why I'm here. When it comes to how we actually change or transform into the likeness of Jesus, community is not optional. It's essential. It's essential. Community is vital. I need you all. It's not just me and Jesus again, right? It's we and Jesus. We need each other. And what our city needs, what our world needs, is the church. Not just Christians. It needs the church. And there's a difference. We bought into this belief that we can just individually pursue Jesus and it's good enough. And God calls each of us sons and daughters, but he calls us a family together. We need one another. Our city needs Jesus. There are people who are desperately lonely all around you. I don't care how good their life looks. They're broken and they're hurting and they're lonely. The numbers of teenagers and college students struggling with depression and psychological disorders has gone off the charts. The data is in. And we are raising a generation of broken hearts and minds that need Jesus. And so we, as the church, need to be a refuge. We need to be a place for the the lonely and the broken and the hurting. And we want to be intentional about life together in Christ so that anyone who's searching for that kind of community can find it. We want to be a light in the darkness. Not just because community is a nice thing, because we enjoy eating meals together or getting together uh, for this or that. It's because of who we are together in Christ. We need each other. We're convinced of it. It's an absolute I love um, Eric Mingle said this, and I think he got it from somebody else, but he said, who we are becoming, we become together, right? I love that. Who we are becoming, we are becoming together. That's what we're after, real community. And here's the thing, real community is costly. It just is. I want to be totally upfront. It's costly. Um, It takes time, it takes presence, it takes vulnerability, and some of those things are scary, and they're hard, but we need them. We need them. And there are no shortcuts. It's costly, but it's worth it. And so that's what we're here for. We're here for Jesus, and we're here for community. Um, Let let me close with this. There are a lot of things we could be about here at Apostles, a lot of ministries we could be a part of, a lot of things we could start and do, and there are things that we will start and do here and continue to do. But If I had to say there's three things we want to do really well, and here come the kids. I told you it was going to happen. (laughs) I'm going to be be quick. Here's three things. If you just want to know, what are the three things we're all in on going around the corner here? We're all in on proclaiming Jesus. We're all in on discipleship. And the main way we do that here at Apostles is through life groups. And we're all in on prayer. And this is a new piece for us. And so I would encourage you, you know, when I think of uh, we're all about Jesus and proclaiming and, and, and training up our kids and teaching one another and loving one another and to, to know and love Christ and to share the gospel, proclaim. I think, I think man, maybe the, 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 the location of that, the touch point for that is what's happening here. Every week we come to here and we're sent back out to proclaim Christ. If I think about kind of the location for discipleship, the, not only, but the primary one is life groups, right? 
And so life groups is an opportunity for us to become like Jesus together, to pursue this life together with God for his glory. It's not the only way, but I think it's a great way. And so I'd encourage you to consider a life group. And then the new one is prayer. Um, not that prayer is new. We've always prayed. There's people that gather before the service to pray. We, we have a prayer team. We have a prayer ministry. And we want to see those things grow. But we've, we felt a conviction that this, uh, this is a call for the whole church to pray. We need to come to God to pray. And so what we're doing is we're setting aside the first Wednesday of every month to gather here at 7 o'clock every first Wednesday to pray because we need to hear from the Lord. This isn't about, hey, here's, here's, what you're, here's the blueprint and y'all just go do it. No, we need to hear from the Lord constantly. What is he guiding us to do? How is he leading us? We need to be able to pray for things like a new children's minister that we def- desperately need. We need to be praying into, hey, we, we have this conviction that we're a neighborhood church called to plant neighborhood churches. God, help us know the timing and the means to do that. We've got people God's raising up in our midst, people like Derek and people like Eric who are gonna be ordained, God willing, in the next few months. And we need, to, we need wisdom for the Lord to raise up leaders and to guide us. We need to pray for our city. Our hearts need to break, and God is doing that. We've, we've started this, and we're gathering to pray. And right now, we're going to pray with our kids. Thanks again for listening. We hope this resource has been helpful to you. If you have questions or are just looking for more information, you can check out our website at apostleshouston.org.